Yo people, welcome to Conversations with Kenji. I'm Kenji Gori, professional footballer, mindset coach and founder of On The Ball. This podcast provides a platform for those in the football world to share their stories, perspectives and life on and off the pitch. Yo people and welcome back to Conversations with Kenji. Our guest today is someone that I really, you know, I really respect a lot. It's someone that in my time at Swansea really looked after me. Uh, we lived in the same apartment block, so we always used to chill together, go for dinners together, and made me feel at home. And even when I first moved to Swansea, like he was somebody that really took me under under his wing, and I appreciate that a lot about him. Jono, Jonathan, the Guzman, welcome to the show, brother. Respect, respect. Thank you for having me, man. I was been, I've been waiting for this call. I see you <laughs> making podcasts with all these guys, all these pro ballers, and I've been waiting for this call, so I'm happy to be on. Nah, I love it, man. I love it, man. I'm so grateful for you to come on and uh, you've got an inspirational story, man. And I can't wait to dive in. And, but let's go straight into it, bro. Like, where did it all start for you? Like, what, where did it all start, man? Wow. Uh, where did it all start? Um, whew, it's a good question. Uh, I think it just started when I was uh, living back home in, in, uh, in Toronto, um, where I'm from and where I was born. So uh, just playing ball. And um, I, at one point, I had to play a couple years up because the, the players at my age were, were, were not at my level. So my, my brother and my father, those are the ones that really pushed me, saying, okay, let's, you know, let's challenge him. I need a challenge. So, um, you know, playing two years up, playing three years older than my age, and that's what got me, you know, uh, moving and moving fast. And, you know, it wasn't, I'm not saying it was easy for, for me at that time too, but it was, it was I handled myself. Uh, players were bigger and stronger than me, and uh, I handled myself. So um, my brother, when I was 10 years old, my brother moved to Europe at the age of 16. He went to Marseille, France, and he saw a different world of football on the, uh, in Europe than where we were from. And then he goes, like, like listen, like, you got to send Jonathan ASAP to, to, to Europe because if you don't send him as soon as possible, then he won't, he won't make it. He won't he won't get that European feeling because that's where football is about. And obviously back home where I used to play, it was just fun and games, having, having fun, being active, staying away from, uh, staying away from the streets. But uh, my brother, my father, they saw that I had an enormous talent. And, um, you know, at the age of 12, I got the, the opportunity to, to move to Feyenoord and uh, to do, go on trial Feyenoord Rotterdam. And um, it was very difficult to, to make that step across the pond. But um, at the age of 12, like my, my parents gave me the green light. I, I, I saw a whole different side of, uh, of a world, seeing the Kype and seeing uh, football every day, Monday, Monday to, to Sunday, and like watching the, the finer play in the stadium. I don't get, you didn't get that back in, 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 in Toronto in, the, in 2000. So um, um, they, my parents, you know, they, uh, my mom is Jamaican, my dad is Filipino and, you know, growing up, I was never asked what did I want. I was always told what to do. And at the age of 12, I was like, they asked me, like, do you want to stay here? Do you want to play? Do you want to uh, uh, start this academy? Do you want to start this, uh, this journey? And I was like, yeah, like, that's, it was a no-brainer for me because I, for a kid at the age of 12, all you, thought of, all you thought about was playing, playing, playing. And if you really thought about what you did back at home, it was school and then, you, like, soccer or football was more of a recreational sport over here it's professional you're at a professional level so you had to uh show yourself at every practice every every game and as a foreigner as a canadian at that time 
you're not going to bring a Canadian or a Brazilian or a player from Ghana over to Europe. No, if they, if they don't have a talent, you have to be better than the other players. You have to show them why they are investing this type of money in you at this young age. Like, why would you do that? So I, I had the, that mindset already. It was drilled into me at a very young age where I had to prove at all times, mm-hmm. everything I did, I had to prove that I was, that I belonged here. Because if I didn't belong here, or if I was, if I was as good as any of the players that were playing uh, in my age, then they would just take another play off the street and send me back home because you're obviously investing money into a foreigner, into a Canadian who doesn't really know how to play football. <laughs> oh, John, oh man, like this is mad. Like at 12 years old, like I'm, yeah, I'm at Manchester United at the time. And I can't imagine like having to leave my family. Like, especially like that is a, that is far. That's a time difference. Like, that's not even like you can pick up the phone and be like, hey, mom, how are you doing? I've just finished this at practice. Like, I've just finished this in training. Even, like, I can't even imagine it, bro. Like, that is, that is an amazing, that is unbelievable. Like, how did yeah. you, it, was it hard to have the courage to do it? And, yeah, that, that's. Um, it was definitely hard because I didn't have to prove to uh, my parents because my parents just were proud of me regardless but I know um, as a talent in where I came from and I I was a big talent there like I said I was playing years up and it was not you know I was I was I was breezing by these guys so I didn't have to prove it to my parents or my family I had to prove it to the, my community around me because if it was if Jonathan de Guzman didn't make it then we don't know what's going to happen you know what I mean so I had to like kind of fight and i had kind of had that i was very mature for my age at that at that time i my brother's six year uh, six years older than me and he's my mentor my best friend so like you know i was always around him and around his friends and that's where i got that maturity at such a young age and i how i came to to holland or to rotterdam at the with the with the goal with an ambition not just to play and have fun and go with the flow no i had a i had a i had a goal i had, a, I had something to prove that is, a, that is unbelievable, Jono, because like, even like you said, like, even at 12 years old, like, you're still enjoying, you're still playing. Like, I was, I was a, like, a competitive guy, but also, like, it was fun, right? I would still go home to my family when things yeah. were finished. Like, I would still go to, after, after, after football, I would go and be with my friends. Like, you now have to start your life alone at yeah. 12 years old. You know, like, I started my life alone at 18. I moved to Swansea where you saw me, but at 12 years old, like that is like, you're still young, even though you said that, uh, that you're around your brother, he was your mentor, he supported you through things. Like, how was it like even going, if you had a bad day at school or a bad day at training, like how, how did you handle that side of things? So the only family I had at that time uh, that was close to me in, in Rotterdam was actually my brother because um, when he was, when I was, 12 13 he actually moved to germany at that time uh so we were on the same time difference so i would have i would call my brother hours hours daily and we would just we wouldn't necessarily have to talk about football or how our day went we would just talk about jokes and just everything that was i look forward to talking to him on the phone and uh mind you like it wasn't where you had the internet back in the day you didn't have you had to get phone calling cards and stuff like that. And I was only allowed 20 minutes a week <laughs> oh. to call my brother. But I had to, you know, 
kind of go be sneaky about it and try to find ways to actually get in contact with my brother uh, through the phone. Because going on, like you had, I think MSN just came out at that time, but we weren't really familiar with the internet and the connection, all that type of stuff going on. It was more, more calling, calling, calling. So, um, you know, just uh, calling my brother and talking to him. If I had a bad day, uh, you know, just he was the one I, 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 I went to, to to go for advice for anything. Yeah, I love that, man. I love that. And it's so important to have, you know, the guys around you to to speak about these sort of things, you know, to just, even if it's not even about football, you know, just to be there as a, as a friend and as somebody that listens to you, you know, sometimes you just need someone to just listen to what you've got to say. Yeah. And, and it's just so important, especially in the football world of what we experience on a day-to-day basis, you know, the, the pressures of performing, the pressures of having to do well because, you know, people are relying on you. You know, like, like you said, like, you're not just playing for yourself. You're playing for the community. You're playing for people to look at you in a way that's like, if he can do it, oh, there is hope. But if he can't do it, then there's definitely no way that I can do it. So like you had an extra bit of pressure there, you know? So, but even like going through all the age groups now, you're going through all the age groups, you're, you're flying past the age groups, you know, you're, you're doing well. Like how did you ever go through a stage of, of, of feeling that pressure, feeling that like, Oh my days! Like I know I need to do this. I think it was. Uh, you're talking about the youth stages, right? Mm. Um, so I think around when I was turning, when I was 15, 16, 16, 17, I would say. Um, Hank Fraser is actually my coach. He coached you as well in Den Haag, right? And, and um, so um, yeah, he was my coach at the time, and I was actually the the, the captain of the team. And mind you, my Dutch wasn't that good at the time, so like. At one point, I was going through puberty as well. And, and like, even the coaches would ask me, like, are you still having fun here? Do you enjoy it here? Because they saw that my head was going down. I didn't really care as much. I wasn't showing as much aggression in the, in the, in the practices. I wasn't showing that, that the genre that they know. Mm-hmm. So they would ask me, like, how are you doing? Like, how, you know, what do you feel? I'm like, honestly, I feel okay. I didn't notice anything going on, but they saw a different side of me. And at one point, they, a lot of players on my team, they use that negativity, that, that negative, that, 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 yeah, that negativity. And they try to get at me say, Oh, we don't, we don't, we, we need a new captain. I'm like, I'm like guys that are my friends. We need a new captain. I'm like, Whoa. And my eyes just kind of, kind of got bigger. I'm like, okay, I see you now. I see, you now. I see, you now. Like, a lot of guys, I think like maybe four or five guys said, we don't, we need a new captain. We need a new captain. We need a new captain. I'm like, wow, these guys are against me. I thought these guys were my friends. So it was, it was funny to see that. And that kind of uh, opened my eyes. It looked like that we weren't a team anymore at this moment. It was more like these guys trying to bring me down because I was that Canadian guy. And I, I, I got more attention at times than the rest of the players. Um, they, they use me more as an example. And the thing is, when you use a player that's not their kind, Dutch, then it's, it's a bit more of a slap in the face, right? Like, how come he's doing this? You guys are not doing that. Like stuff like that. And then I was a captain as well. My Dutch is not that good. So a lot of this came up out of nowhere. And then at one point we had a team meeting before the game. And I think it was against PSV. We played at home. I was still, the, and the, the coach goes, um, you know, he will think about it for the week. And the week before that, he said, okay, we'll see how the training goes. We'll see how the week goes. We'll see how the game goes. And then um, game day meeting, he goes, listen, John will still be my captain. I believe in him. And we're going to keep it that way. And I was like, okay, fuck, there's some pressure now. <laughs> if, I, if I mess up now, then 
that means these guys were right. Then this guy does not deserve to be the captain of our team. Mm. Luckily, score a goal, made an assist, and then I pay my respect back to Hank Fraser at that moment. I was like, okay, now I had to, I had to prove more than than I what I did before. I have to keep improving. So um, that was that more that struggle moment at the at that youth academy at Feyenoord. Wow, man, that's so interesting you saying that because. Even at such a young age, like it's bringing back so many memories of dog eat dog. Like we're all aspiring to be. Like yeah. I'm gonna get there before you. And yeah. now you're weak, and I'm gonna pounce on that weakness That's of yours. Because right. I see you're struggling, I'm gonna go on that. And it brings back so many memories from from players that weren't confident, right? And people would kill the confidence even more. Yeah, pick on you them. Know? Easy. Just to, just to try and make them go that step higher, or like like so if somebody's struggling. And you see that, and people see that they're struggling, like they would, you would pounce on that struggle so yeah. that you were higher, like you were like, like, and that's what I see that they, that they did with yeah. you. Yeah. You know, they saw that right. you were like a little weak. They saw that and you were a little And they put you down more. And they, they <laughs> you more. But you were strong enough. The resilience was there because you're all, at 12 years old, you already experienced it all. And your yeah. resilience was there, your strength was there, and you, you could handle the pressure. Yeah, and that's why you actually got over it, and it's so inspiring for you to to, to say that because a lot of people, a lot of people would have crumbled then, you mm-hmm. know, would have yeah. crumbled. Like, yeah, I don't know how I would have. Imagine, that. imagine if you weren't the captain anymore, what would happen? Or you know, if you didn't, then that confidence would just keep on going down and down and down. Like, yeah. okay, they won, I lost. You know, crazy, crazy, crazy. But then, but then you go up the age groups. You know, how how was that experience for you? Oh, I had the best time uh, going through the youth academy at Finer. Like um, you know, everyone like, from this day, like you just see how players uh, grew up, and obviously playing with uh, likes of Cyberlone and and Drenthe. Uh, those are the guys are the big talents of, the, of those ages, and it, it was um, it was it was fun. You know, it was fun. We we became friends, good friends, and and, and family. They felt like a family. We see each other every day. We go on trips. We go to Japan. We do all that stuff. So. I had a great time. So, like, you know when they say uh, you're playing too much football, you're not going to have an actual childhood? That's mm. a, great, a great childhood I had, just uh, creating these relationships with these guys and at a professional level as well. So it was, it was a, you know, a great time in my life. Wow, that's so amazing to hear, man. Especially, like, that they, that they treated you as family, like you said, like, because obviously that's what you were missing, right? You were yeah. Missing family so they treated you like you were family and i know johnny really well as well someone that is family like family to me and i know how so so it's amazing that that he that he treated you like that as well especially at that time but now you're going through the age groups you know your your ambition is to go and play in the first team you know you're watching them you're you're yeah. you're aspiring to be in the first team from 12 that was your goal from from canada you know That's so right. how did that come about so I was actually 17 and I was 17 years old and I, I um, Fraser came to me and he uh, said, okay, next year you're going to start with the first team. And um, that was when Root Gullet was the coach. And for Root, for me as a foreigner, imagine, imagine a kid living in Canada who sees Root Gullet legend on TV, Rasta playing in the Dutch national team. It was a dream come true for me. Like, but I see all these other guys, these players, like it's normal. He's a normal guy in Holland. But outside of Holland, he's a legend. So like 
it was so big for me to do such such a thing. And I remember um, it was me and Johnny Seiberlund who got invited to go to the first team, the first off. And um, it was fun. And like, I remember we did very well the first couple of sessions. And then Ruth Gillett took Johnny under his arm. Like he made the first team and I had to go back to the, the second team and the, or the, the under 19s. So I was like, fuck, like Johnny, Johnny made it. And like, I wasn't there, you know, I was like, fuck, I need to, I need to step up my game. And like Johnny was still young enough to come back at the under 19s and play with us sometimes. So he would be at the first team doing his thing and then come back. And when you, when Johnny came back, Johnny really came back. He had, he was that, he was that guy. Yeah. So we all like looked up to Johnny. So like, oh, how does it feel? Like, how did, how does it go there? Blah, blah, blah. And like, we asked Johnny like all these, all these questions. And you know how Johnny is, right? You know how Johnny is. Yeah. So he he like he showed he showed that he was a part of the first team. I was like, wow, we want everyone wanted to be that guy. Everyone wanted to get that opportunity and uh, play like in the in the first team. And you saw that when Johnny did come back to the under 19s he he had a different type of he he you saw that his level upgraded very fast. The way he passed the ball, his movement, uh, tackling, all that stuff. You just saw that Johnny was a different player. And I was like, fuck, I want that too. I want to become. Um, I want that level as well. So that was kind of like a motivation for me just to keep on fighting, keep on fighting so I could get to that level as well. Um, yeah. Just to touch on that, like that is such, that, that is a, a, a really good point what you said because even just listening to your story, like even just that little bit of it is like there's so many players in that situation, right? Where you go and train with the first team then there's people that stay and there's people that fall off. So there's normally like two guys that will go and then there's one. And then you still had the, the thing to say to yourself, no, that's what I want, you know? But there's guys that will be like, oh, you know, let down mm-hmm. or, you know? Did you, did you ever get to a point where you were like, oh, you know, it's not gonna, it's not gonna, or were you always that strong where it's like, no, I'm gonna continue to do? I think with the, the confidence I, I had from, from a young age uh, at that, uh, at the Finer Academy, being the captain of the teams and stuff like that, that always gave me the feeling where I had um, my 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 end station was going to be the first team. That's where I had to make it, right? So when Johnny was there, I was there as a midfielder. He was there as a defender. So we were totally different positions. If it was yeah. there as a midfielder as well, if Johnny was there as a midfielder, maybe it would be a bit different, but I knew Johnny was there for a different position. Yeah. And they didn't need another midfielder uh at that moment yeah. so i wasn't really in competition with johnny i was obviously looked up to him as for okay first team he made it he's there but i wanted to be there as well yeah. so i looked at johnny not as a competition as more of a you know we're doing this more together because we are from the youth we started from young you know, he was there before me and you know the, just like the steps we made the struggles we had in the youth and uh, for us to be there at the same level like we weren't uh, we weren't we didn't have the same position so that, i think that kind of helped us motivate each other and be there as a unit more that not just like okay fuck he's a defender i'm a defender he's there and i'm not there okay there's something wrong <laughs> yeah he's a defender i'm a midfielder okay you're there but well, i still that have kind of that pushed you that yeah. kind of pushed you it motivated you it gave you like no i can like he's getting yeah i'm gonna keep i'm gonna hey how yeah. is it bro like you were like active you were like yeah. really yeah yeah now nah, that's inspirational, man. So, so, so then even like going into that, right? So now, so now you're like trying to get into that first team. Like, how did how did your opportunity come? Like, where did that come from? So after that year, I played the full year of the under 19s, and then I was um, uh, meant to go to the first team. Then 
that's when I turned 18 and uh, I was eligible to play the first team. And then Aaron Kuman was the coach and I was able to go on training camp in China. And in China, he had a conversation with every player and, you know, I was doing well, doing my, doing what I you know needed to do as a, as a, as a player. And, um, you know, my conversation with, with the coach was like, okay, you're a good player, but you're going to play a lot of games with the, with the, with the reserve team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of midfielders. You have a lot of quality midfielders. I like your style of play, but you're young. You need to learn. You need to get your games in. You're going to play a lot of games with the second team. I was like, all right, do that. That's what I'll do. You know, that's, I'll, I accepted that. As long as I got that chance in the first team I was playing or training with the guys, you know, I'll just make my way through. And, um, you know, did well and I was actually doing very well with the second team and then um I think it was five days after my after I turned 18 I got the chance to play uh, uh make my debut in the first team he goes coach just says listen just do what you uh do in practice and have fun and we we're winning against Hidden Vein I think 5-1 at the time so it was like a, a very nice way to come in and then from since then he put me on the first 11 he kept on playing me, playing me, playing me, playing me. I'm like, wow, this is great. And the thing is, I was doing very well at this time too. I was, I was a, I was a starter. Wow. I was a starter, and uh, he gave me that confidence. He just kept on saying, "Play your games, play your games, play your games." And, and like you know, I was, I was a, I was a sensation at that time. At that final. So. Wow, man. But how, how was that initial jump for you? You know, now suddenly being around the first team players. You know, like how was, was there like any. How did you feel when you walked into the changing room and stuff I, like that? I felt, I felt welcome because I was with players that, are, that were already established at that time. You had uh, Katve, Dirikai, and Kalu. You had Romeo Costa, Ali Busabon, Sergio Green. Mm-hmm. Um, you had these big players around you um, that helped you a lot as a young player. So they, they kind of guided me. They said, you know, they, they, gave, they gave me the confidence. They gave me the, the, the space and everything, which made it a lot easier for for me to get in the groove with the team. And like I said, like I always, I had to prove, I had to, like I had Patrick Power, a very a legend at Feyenoord. He, uh, he helped me as well as a midfielder. So like I had, I had a, a great team that, that, that helped me a lot. And, you know, as long as I gave my, my best, my hundred percent, they respected that. And the more they do that, the more they want to help you because you want, they want to help the team. If they see that, okay, this guy's too shy. This guy's not this, then they'll just keep you to the side. You got to, Give all you got, and then that's when you gain that respect, and that's when the guys will come to you and say, "Hey, man, who are you? Tell me about. Tell me a little. Let me, I want to know. I want to know a bit, a bit more about you." And then that's when the, the 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 conversation starts. That's when the relationship starts. Yeah, yeah, I hear that, man. I hear that for you. Like, yeah, you're really like that, especially <laughs> like, you keep yourself to yourself a lot, a lot as well, and you don't really say too much i don't say too much yeah that's right i like i like i was always taught to sometimes maybe i say a, li- a little too less mm. but i was always taught to always speak with your feet and then that's when the people talk about you don't talk about yourself too much yeah. then you're kind of arrogant or you come off differently but um let your feet do the talking and the rest will come naturally the relationships will come naturally and that's how you gain that respect and people will come to you and say hey what's up man like where are you from and then that's how it starts. You want yeah. somebody to eat or, you know, very little conversations. And that's how the relationships begin. I hear you. I hear you. And you know, how that's, it's just mad. Like just hearing your story from moving to Holland from 12, having that pressure to, to just do it. And then that moment comes from now you get to Nothing. go and throw. And then it's like, and then it's like all that, 
just relief like of look i can do it you know you're showing your community you're you're proving it to your parents that look what i did like your brother even like he, your brother's like i told you you know like yeah, yeah, this, yeah. This, it's so it's so amazing to to hear that story and that side from you because you made it happen you know you made yeah. it happen and you only made that happen because you really dedicated your life to it Definitely. you gave up everything like you sacrificed your life mm -hmm. to go after your dream and that's and that's and that is what you know what players nowadays they kind of lack because it's like nowadays like we we have it easy right you go up the age groups it's kind of easy and and they don't have that extra grit that you had to go through that's going to get you to put because football's full of ups and downs right it's full of ups and downs and more downs than ups so mm -hmm. so like with that with what you said because of what you've been through that's created you and shaped you in having that power to go take these challenges on and that's and that's what i love about your story man i actually love it and and how so so just to continue to go into that bro like now you're playing every week you're the you're the you're the guy, you know, Jono is the guy now. And how was that moment for you, man? Like being the guy in Rotterdam, like, <laughs> how was that? It was, it was great. It was good times. It was good times, man. Um, uh, getting a lot of respect at, a, at an early age, at the age of 18, and uh, obviously playing uh, uh, most of the games. And when I first uh, made my debut season as a pro, and um, a lot of the players left after that season. So, like, Derek Kite went to Liverpool. Um, Kalu went to Chelsea, and then you had uh, Kustler goes to uh, Hamburg as well. So yeah, a lot of main players of the team leaving, and then that's when uh, the the team kind of changed. And I had a great season the last season, and I was one of the players that you know did well that last season as well. So then, at the age of nineteen, now I kind of had to. I had more, a bit more pressure on me as towards the other guys. As for if we lost, then okay, it would be Derek Heights or, you know, they didn't score. But now it would be like the Guzman, okay. And that's when things kind of change now. When the performance, when I did a bad, when I had a bad game, that's when downfall. And then um, it was like the Guzman, the this, that. Okay, then that's when things started to change. So it was very, it was a difficult moment the second and third year. Um, because we didn't, we weren't the same final we were the year the year before, and obviously with the team we have, you you uh, you want to you expect a lot of expectations. So it was a difficult season, the second season. Um, I believe that was the two thousand six two thousand seven season. So, um, but you know that's that's part of football, part of yeah. football. Yeah. Um, and you you know, like you said, you have ups and downs, and you have to go through these things, and it's up to you to have that mindset to really feel that you could uh, survive this and go through this and become better, better person and a better player and a collective player and, a, and also a team player. Because at the age of 18, you're not really thinking too much about the team. You think about yourself a lot more. Think about, oh, I need to do this. I need to do this. But now when you're, in a when you're a team player, you got to think about, okay, this player is not that fast. I will never play him a, a ball in the, in, the, in, the, in the deep end. I'll just play him in the feet and do the one that one, two. And that's how you got to, learn your, your your teammates as well and um that's a lot of things i learned as well at a young age yeah that's that's interesting because now like the, the big guys are going now you have to step up you know yeah. that's what now it's like right jono is the guy jono is gonna go and take like 
stepping the places and now all the attention is on you so the expectations now on you have gone very different nothing it? like you, you have no pressure to now mm. be having that pressure from you have to say you yeah. know so so but how how was that for you like having to do that every week like i know how the final fans are you know they're not easy like how how was that to deal with just before we move further into this episode i want to ask you do you feel like you are currently getting the most out of your life not just talking on the pitch here I believe that life is all about growing in all areas and to guide you in your growth I've developed the On The Ball Mindset Planner, a planner to support athletes in finding out who they really are beyond the pitch. This planner will get you thinking ahead while staying in the present by its life assessments, daily goal settings and journal prompts and so much more. To get yours now go to ontheballmindset.com. The content in this planner really did change my life and my hope is that it changes yours too. Yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't easy. It was definitely not easy because, um, you know, we were winning our games, um, and then at one point it came to a point where the coach put me on the bench. We played against Ajax. We lost against Ajax, and then this the game after that was against FC Twente at home, and I really remember this game. It was a special game for me as well. Um, we were losing one nothing. So the after Ajax. Put on the bench you get SA20 and I was put on the bench and we're losing one nothing at home. And this was uh our fans weren't happy with us, nothing was going uh right, and then um the coach decided to put me in second half. And then when we got in second half, when I got in second half, I said, This is my time to shine, this is my time to you know speak with my feet. And um, and I was doing well, you know, trying to dictate the play. Uh, be a part of the game and try to you know force a, a force a goal here and there and then we ended up scoring an equalizer one one mm-hmm. boom happy and then um, it was the last last two minutes of the game get a free kick Team Dolly was on my team as well <laughs> get a free kick and it was a very it was kind of a far a far it was pretty far and I'm a, I like I, I always take my I always take the free kicks if it's a lot close to the net that's like my one of my specialties I like taking free kicks. But this one was kind of far. I was like, okay. Ali Busabon was there and Sergio Green was at the ball. And we were there standing there like, what's going to happen? Are you going to cross it? Should I shoot it? Because Ali Busabon has a hard shot. I was like, you know what? I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm going to try. Boom. So I stepped, stepped to the ball. I was like, how am I going to do this? It's too far for me to shoot. And I just thought, you know what? Let me just do this. Like, concentrate. Got into the ball. Boom, shot it, one and two, one. And my, if you see my reaction after I scored that goal, that said everything, you know, not just to the coach for putting me on the bench, to, to the, the media that's like, you know, spat on my name and to everyone that kind of doubted me at that moment. Like, no, I'm still here. Wow. So that was a special moment for me when, when I scored that goal. Wow. That is, that is, that is like, like you just said, like doubters, pressure, media, the coach putting you on the bench, all that fuel, like that is pressure. Yeah. You know, yeah. That yeah. is like pressure. And it's something that, you know, we, deal, as, we as footballers have to deal with it. You yeah. know, we have to deal with it. Like, like you, that, what you just said there, like that is, that, that's courage to go and take the ball and say, now nah, I'm, you know, okay, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's crazy, like, you're saying that because, like, what would go through my mind? I'm like you, like, 
I'm gonna, you know, I need to go and show, I need to go and do this. Like, but you're, you're, you're like a guy that's like collective. You're really like, how can I explain? Like, not to speak for you, but what I see for you, you know, you're like, mm-hmm. you're like more calm. You're in, your, you're in your own little space where you're like focused. Yeah, I understand. And sometimes when you, like you said, like, like when you say, when you want to prove these guys wrong and you're like aggressive and this and that, I have that too. But sometimes when we do it, you kind of try to do too much. Yeah. And sometimes it, 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 it kind of interrupts with your, your own mind thinking, your game. And then, then you want to prove too much. You want to get the ball from the back and bring it to the front type of thing. So that's why it's always, uh, I've always learned from when you, when things are not going right, if you make two bad passes, get back to the basics. Yeah. Get back to the basics. And from there on, that, the comments will come. If you make that right, easy pass. And then the next one will come. Next one will come. Yeah. Nah, I fully hear you on that. Fully, fully hear you on that. But just to fast forward, right? So now your time at, you know, Feyenoord, you, you've had an amazing time there. Amazing year. Now you go to Spain. You know, talk to me about your time in Spain, man. Um, Mallorca. That's when I uh, moved from Holland. Um, it was a great experience for me to uh, learn a lot about myself. I learned a lot from other players because, of course, when you're living in Holland for, for 10 years, you grew up in Holland, you, you have that Dutch mentality, and you go to Spain, and you see a different culture, different style of football. There's no pasa and trapa. They don't do that as, as, as well as in Holland. I'm like, I get here, I'm like, these guys are kicking the ball outside their feet. I'm like, this is not normal. But at the end, when you play the little games now, scrimmages, these guys can move left. The left, left back is as, as good as, as technique as the right winger that, that goes with all the players. So it was a different style of play. And I had to get used to it. I had to get used to not just playing pass and move, pass and move, being more effective. If little little, little uh, spaces, trying to get a little, trying to dribble out little spaces. So that's like, a different style of football I had to learn in Mallorca at a very uh, fast time. And the thing is, uh, the coach was Michael Lauder at the time, and he had to um, – he, he, he was the one that brought me in. So I was one of his players. So I, had to, I was playing regularly. And the players, I didn't have that style where the Spanish style would chop and move and the, the pass outside the foot. No, I was more of the Dutch style, easy pass, movement, you know, effective football. Yeah. And um, but it was a different uh, style of football, which I really liked. And uh, I had a really good season that season as a, the team wouldn't do so well. But my season was very was so well that I had to I got the transfer to Villarreal the next season and to, got the chance to play um, to, to, to play, you know, uh, Champions League and with the likes of uh, Giuseppe Rossi, big name players. So um, it was a great step for me to, to, to do that. Um, Michael Lajou by the time said, you know, it would be better if you stay an extra year with us and kind of groove into the second year. But I was really, really uh, motivated to try to step into the Dutch national team and, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. play Champions League and, you know, top four in the, in the, in the, in the, in the La Liga is, is something special, right? So I was, uh, I was motivated for that. And the coach that brought me in there got sacked really early. And was, then after that, that was a difficult time for me. Um, at that season, we, all, we had three different coaches. So, um, you know, after my, the coach that brought me in got sacked, oh, then I basically got sacked as well. So I didn't get much playing time. 
Um, it was a difficult moment for me too. Um, there was not much to do in, in, in Villarreal. So I had to, you know, keep myself occupied with going bowling, for example, like after practice and stuff like that. It was like very difficult time for me because um, I wasn't getting as much playing time as I expected, uh, as I expected my career to go. Um, then uh, after Villarreal, um, Michael Ladrup signed the at Swansea. <laughs> yeah, so you were like, yes. So, well, he, yeah, he, well, the, in that summer, during that summer, that my agent called me, goes, uh, Michael Laudrup signed uh, at uh, Swansea, and he would uh, like to bring you as a, as a, bring you as in the midfielder. I said, Premier League, perfect. And then, um, you know, signed there, and then had a, had a great season, the first season with, uh, with Michael Laudrup and obviously Misha Form and Team Dali and the big, and the, and the Dutch guys. So, Kemi Augustine. So, it was fun. We won the, the Capital One Cup as well. So going into Europe and then, you know, you come along as well and, you know, had a little Dutch crew going on. It was, yeah. it was good times, man. I had a really good time at Swansea. It was uh, devastating to see them, you know, lose the playoff, the semifinal playoff game against Brentford. But, you know, like uh, I still keep in touch with the kit man, Mike Eames. So, you know, it's still like you, when you go to Swansea, it's like, you know, this is family here. It's a small family. club, but it's a family club. So I really enjoyed my time there and, um, you know, Mnez and those guys. So it was really good to yeah, meet you, man. big name guys. It was fun. It was really fun. That's serious. Like, even like, there were so many Dutch guys there, man. Even when you left, like Leroy, uh, yeah. Luciano, and uh, yeah. then Mike came. Like, a lot of, the, there was always like Dutch guys coming in. When you left, I had another boy, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? So it, was, like, it, was, it was cool, man. I had, to, we had, I had so many good memories there, man. Like, Swansea, like you said, like, just winning the Capital One Cup, going into Europe again, like, I was, like, looking up to you guys, like, wow, like, even when I, when I first signed, like, um, from, from United and came to you guys, I was like, wow, this, like, this is me. Like, I remember Key playing centre-back in the final, and I was like, hey, this is the team yeah. I need to, need to <laughs> go to. in the centre-back, right? Yeah. I was like, whoa, like, you guys killed it, like, Nathan Wayne on the wings, like, I was like, I need to go and take their spot, man. Like, this, yeah. this is where I need to be. Like, that's right, that's right. Such a good time. Such a good time in, 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 in my career as well. But, uh, but yeah, man, so good to hear your, your story from there, man. But it's, so, it's, it's mad that you touched on, you know, like, there's a lot of players going through that, you know, that make the deal, that make the move, for example, to, to a club. Like, you know, you go to your Villarreal, for example, and there's guys in this moment now, you know, making that move to the club, manager gets sacked. Like, you know, you said that you spoke about how you, you, you got your mind off it. You know, you tried to get your mind off it. You, you went bowling and stuff. But, you know, it's hard. It's hard, especially like when you've, when you've got such high expectations and your expectations don't get met. You know, what would you advise that person going through that right now? Like, how would you, how, what would you advise him to go, to go and do? Um, I was lucky that my uh, my father was living with me at the time in Villarreal, so I was surrounded. Like I had family with me, which was very important for me. Yeah. Um, he helped me. You know, we just talked about other things. We had a uh, we have a great relationship where we just you know walk on the beach and we just you know just chill and just do our father son's type type of stuff. Go for dinners and stuff like that. Um, but if you're going through a difficult time where you're, a manager gets sacked and, the, and the, another guy comes in and he doesn't see you as an important player of his team, I, I just, I just, you just gotta just always speak, try to speak with your feet, and that's the only way you can do it. And the thing is, with me at that time was 
my Spanish wasn't good either. I lived my first year uh, living in Mallorca. I don't mind you. I live in a, I'm living, I'm living on an island. So um, everyone speaks English there. And then moving to Villarreal, no one speaks English. So I'm taking lessons daily so I could understand what these guys are saying. Even the coach that brought me in, he thought I spoke Spanish because of my last name, De Guzman. You speak Spanish. <laughs> I went, no, I don't. <laughs> so, and, I, and like, that was a shocker for him as well. Like, my, like, my Spanish wasn't good. Mm-hmm. And um, so the communication was, was difficult, even with the teammates at the time too. And not a lot of the guys spoke Spanish. The only guy that spoke English was uh, Giuseppe Rossi. So I kind of clinged on him more, which not, wasn't really good because he was my, not really a safety blanket, but he was the guy that I would ask, oh, what is he saying? What is he saying? You know, uh, yeah. instead of kind of mingling with the group, um, I kind of just kept my, my circles very small. Mm. And um, that was my, uh, I would say my, the, the thing I should have did differently. Mm. try to understand these guys as a as a as a person and not just go to practice speak to giuseppe and then go home yeah so learn i see that a lot with guys especially like coming out here in portugal like i tried to really interact with everybody even though i couldn't speak portuguese i really did try and speak to everybody but you see guys for example like there's a couple there's one guy that came from nigeria and it was you could see it was tougher you could really see it was tough for him and, and he would kind of lean on me to kind of, you know, tell him, you know, and, and I'm like, yo, go and like, you know, but he, he didn't really feel comfortable to do it. And, you know, after six months, he went back to Nigeria because it was too much. So you can see like it does take a toll. So you, you've got to really go out there and get to know the guys and, and, and you know, you've got to get used to the culture, man. Like, there you go. There you it's go. completely different. It's completely different. But something that we have in common also, Jono, is that, you know, guys say to me also like, oh, you're, you're from Curaçao, Suriname, yeah. uh, England, Holland. Like, what yeah. are you? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, bro, like, leave me, man. Like, this is just me. I'm multicultural, you know? Yeah. And, and it's the same for you, you know? You're, you're Filipino, um, Jamaican, Jamaican <laughs> you know, Canadian. And I'm, and I'm like, like, how, how was that for you? How is that experience? And having, and you know, and you picked Holland in the end. Like, how, how where did it come from for you? Where did what come from? Like, what are you? You know, like picking Holland. Oh, picking know? Holland over Canada yeah. at that moment. Yeah. Um, I moved to Holland at the age of twelve, never thinking, okay, I'm gonna play for the Dutch national team. Never in my mind. And you know, as going through the the youth academy. Um, the Canadian national team or the youth national team would obviously call me, but it would be just too much for me to travel back to Canada and then go back to Holland, time difference, school, a lot of play to that, at that time. So like a Canadian playing in Canada would have been a lot easier because they have their system going on. And I was a Canadian player overseas. So it, it just didn't make sense. Mm. Time difference, traveling. I wasn't able to travel by myself. So it just didn't make sense. And then at the time, um, when I got the question, would you want to become Dutch or you can become Dutch, but that means you won't be able to play for the Canadian national team. And it was, it was, I spoke to my family about it and I asked them, what do you guys think? Like if I do become Dutch, that doesn't mean I have a dual passport either. I don't have to give him my Canadian passport. And, uh, 
I said, okay, that's a, that's a different, that's another different thing because that means you're not Canadian anymore. Will you accept not being Canadian anymore? Because I hold my stripes on my, my shoulder. Right. So like I'm, I'm Canadian. Yeah. I'm like, it was a difficult moment. It was a difficult time. And uh, I spoke to my family about it day and night. And I finally made the decision to become Dutch because I do feel Dutch. Mm. I, 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 lived, I, I was living in Holland at that time for, I think it was eight years, seven, eight years. And I went to school in Holland. I went to school in Rotterdam. Uh, um, I, 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 I made my debut in Holland and, and like my, my, I became a professional. I, I, I'm, people know me here. Yeah. You know, Rotterdam, like if I walk the street, I, they, they say, I, I feel well, I feel at home here. Yeah. So I did feel Dutch. And when I had to give him my passport at the embassy, it did hurt. <laughs> it did hurt to give that Canadian passport. And, you know, like, uh, it was something I had to accept. But at the end of the day, it, it uh, opened a lot of doors for me. So um, it wasn't, as a Canadian soccer player, it's not easy playing in Europe. Sports, if you're a Dutch soccer player, oh, you're, he's Dutch? He's from Holland, Dutch school. Okay. But if you're Canadian, you're, Canadian, you're going to ask questions. But if you're Dutch, then you're, a lot more doors do open for you. And the thing is, I got the opportunity to play in the 2008 Olympics in, in Beijing. And I got the opportunity to play in the in Brazil World Cup 2014. So if I were Canadian, you wouldn't experience it. I wouldn't, that wouldn't, that wouldn't happen at that time because yeah. Canada didn't. They didn't make the World Cup and they didn't make the Olympics. So at the end of the day, as, a, as an athlete's first perspective, oh, no regrets, 100%. No regrets. Like that is something that, you know, it's, it, it's, you've experienced something that all footballers want to experience. Wait. <laughs> don't forget, I do feel Canadian at the same time. Though. No, no, no. <laughs> That's not even, the, yeah, I hear that. I hear that. I hear that. But even like as a football perspective, like you said, yeah. right? Like, you experienced playing at the World Cup with Holland, right? And that is an experience that was that. And you played, you know? It's not like yeah. you went there and played. Like, yeah. how, how, even how was that experience for you, man? Oh, I'll tell you a little story. It's a little, a small story for myself. But the first time I experienced a World Cup was when I was uh, seven years old, 1994, in, in America, in the States. And that's when I thought, okay, wow. My family was sitting in front of the TV, we would make our predictions, and this will be this is a dream. Uh, seeing uh, Brazil win the World Cup 1994, big players Romario, Bebeto, Baggio, Maradona was in this World Cup, big name players. Um, I go to the World Cup 2014. My son is seven, so that for me was like, okay, I watched it on TV, but my son is seven now, you can watch it live. So he got to go to Brazil with my, my parents, my brother, my sister, my friend, my best friends came down to watch these games. So for me, for my son to see the World Cup with his live, live direct, that was for me like the ultimate dream. Like, okay, I saw it at the age of seven. Wow. My son could watch it at the age of seven, but live and direct. So that wow. was for me something special. Now, that is amazing, man. That is so lit. Like, yeah. that is something, especially like the feeling that you must have had. And even at the, when you were seven, like, you would never have in your life would imagine yourself to go and play. And you actually yeah. did 
Yeah. So like it was in, in, in everyone in the world, the world cup brings people together. Yeah. You know, you see uh, Holland supporting the country, but in Canada you have flags. It's a very Toronto multicultural city. You have flags all over the place. When it's world cup time, flags there. Uh, you see <laughs> flags, Argentina, Brazil, Port all these flags all over the place. Right. So world cup was, is huge, huge. So I really lived it in that moment with my family as well, making our own predictions. So we had a little family thing going on. So that was a special thing for me. That's when I was introduced to like football. Wow. And uh, at the age of seven, like real football on TV. And then, uh, yeah, like I said, like 2014. And for my, that was like a dream come true for my son, for me to be there and for my son to watch that. And like some, that's like something that he'll never forget, never in his life. Wow. So. That is amazing. And especially now he's playing at Feyenoord. You know, he's playing Feyenoord, doing well, doing well. So. footsteps, man. Yeah, well, let's see how it goes. He's enjoying the game. Um, that's the most important for me. I think as a player, you have to enjoy it. And the thing is, when you enjoy something, anything you do, whether it's painting or playing football or, you know, drawing anything, if you enjoy it with a passion, then you will learn a lot easier. Yeah. I and I think he's learning, like, with this uh, COVID-19 happening, he, he goes, Dad, I don't want to go to holidays this year. I want to train. Wow. And that was for me, like something special to hear Like he just wants wow. to be better. wants to be better. And I was like, all right, if you want to train, I'm, I'm, I need to train too. So <laughs> <laughs> let's train. Let's train. Let's train. Wow. That's amazing, man. That's, that's really, that's really something special. But something that I like to ask my guests that come on here is because as footballers, we have a certain image. You know, we have a certain way that people see us, right? What do you feel is the biggest misconception that people might have on you? Um, misconception that people have on me is probably as a footballer, I would say that we are spoiled, which we are spoiled, um, that we, yeah, I would say spoiled. But the thing is, they say that a lot of footballers are spoiled and we take a lot of things for granted. Mm. Um, but everyone's different. At the, they take everything for, or things for granted and there's in their own way. But um, it comes with the game, I would say. Yes. Because you do, if, if you need something, you just have someone to call and they will fix it for you or they will help you. Because at our profession, you need to be fit. You need to be healthy. You need to be ready. If, for example, for this COVID-19 thing, yeah. we didn't play for about two months. Mm -hmm. And then they expect us to play after that full game, 90 minutes uh, with five changes. That's not easy. Yeah. But people think, oh, it's you know, back TV. Everyone's happy. But they don't think, they don't know what, what the players went through through the COVID-19, no, nothing went through. Players got uh, tested positive. Uh, players couldn't see their family. Um, you know, it was a very difficult time for a lot of people, a lot of people. And now where your athletes, even basketball players, or in the MLS now, forced to go somewhere yeah. without your family for as, as long as the tournament goes on for, and then play. Yeah. Be fit. Injuries happen. Uh, it, it, you're staying at home all day in quarantine. Okay, it, it, it would say it would help you maybe fight the 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 the, the virus. Yeah. 
obviously not passing it on to other people, but that's not good for your body. You need fresh air. You need to go out. You need to do certain things as a professional athlete. So we are um, in a small world and we are very professional. People don't know that. We are very professional. We work very hard. It's not easy to be a professional footballer. Definitely not. It's not easy. A lot of, you have a lot of professional soccer players, football players, but it's not easy. There are so many struggles every day. It's a fight against your, your competition. You want to fight for that spot. And you have to, when you're at that spot, you have to keep it because the other guy behind you or under you is trying to get your spot too. So you have to be on point at all times. And when you see soccer players having fun doing this, cause they're just enjoying what they have accomplished or what they have worked hard for. A lot of it, they don't see behind the scenes hard work so um i when you see soccer players you know driving nice cars and wearing uh, expensive clothes and stuff like that uh people say oh look at this guy yeah look at this guy but they don't know what they what that soccer player has done to get well to even look at your life look at your story look what you've been through to get to where you are you deserve everything that you get you know <laughs> no but it's true like with everything that you've given up and everything that you sacrifice why why not yeah. Like, yeah, I believe yeah. there's abundance in the world, man. Everybody can be whatever they desire to be. And, and that's just, I'm, I'm just a big believer in that, you know? I agree. I totally agree. I totally agree. You should, the way, and the thing is, the way, the way you live your life is the way you want to live your life yeah. because of the hard work you put into. And say you put in 70% of that hard work, you're only going to be able to get that 70% back when you enjoy it. If you put 110% hard of hard work, oh man, you're gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I, what about, and what about for you, like, personally? Like, what do you think, like, a misconception could be for you, like, personally, as you? You know, because you get portrayed in the media as a certain way. You get portrayed as, in a way that could be something that you're completely not, right? So what do you, for, even in the changing room, like, sometimes we have to wear masks we're not really who we, who we really are, you know? That's the, the reality of, who, of, of, of the football life, you know? Like, but, like, what do you feel is your biggest misconception as you? Um, <laughs> not really anything because I'm, I'm actually an open book. <laughs> I, I'm a joker. I'm a, I like, I like joking around in the, in the, on the team, but when it's serious, it's serious. So I have, I don't necessarily have a, uh, a mask in the, in the changer because I, I, I'm not afraid to be laughed at. Mm. I'm not afraid if people make jokes at me. So, like, of course, when you're when people are when you're scared when someone makes fun of you or whatever, then okay, then you're gonna be quiet. You're not gonna say too much. But I've uh, I feel like if I don't show you my myself, I don't I won't be able to be myself. Like I I need to you need to accept me for me, and I'll accept you for you. I'll I'll push you to where I know where I think I could push you, and that's it. If I feel like, okay, if I push you this high and you're going to throw a punch at me, okay, then I'll, yeah. I'll keep you from there. I'll keep you there. I'll keep you. But if you're my boy and I, I know how to push it, we could push each other that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you, obviously you have to adapt to different personalities in the team. Uh, and, and, and then that's how you have to learn. And that's how I think you, people do respect you in a certain way because you, you can't just treat everyone the same. I hear you. So I want to be a coach after my career. You can't treat every player the same. Every you have to work with 25, 27 different personalities. 
Wow. It's not easy. When did, when did you figure out that you wanted to be a coach? Um, 2015, five years ago, when I uh, first, uh, 2014 was it, 14, when I um, had my first soccer camp in Canada. So I saw that actually. My son goes up to me, goes, Dad, uh, I'm only going to go to Canada. Like, we, have, we spent Christmas in Canada. He goes, Dad, I'm only going to go to Canada if we play soccer. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> you don't want to spend time with the family? He goes, no, I want to go to Canada if we play soccer. You know what? I'll do something then. We'll play, we'll play soccer. So I actually organized a, a soccer camp where I train these kids. And it was something for me to see if I enjoy it or not. And it's a three-day soccer camp. Oh, love it. Wow. Love it. And that's when I was like, okay, you know what? I can see these players getting better within like hours, like learning different technique drills. I learned drills, drills. And like within hours, you guys are doing it so fast, learning, adapting. And I'm like, wow, okay, this is something that's so satisfying to see someone grow. That's and amazing. from there on, that's why I was like, you know, let me just get into it. And I actually got my UEFA B license in, in Italy. So I, I, I want to see how it is after my career. Yeah. But um, that's something I have on my mind, like set on my mind already where I, where I want to take on another challenge. No, that's amazing, man. That's amazing. Especially like, because as footballers, you don't really think about these things. You don't think about life after football, right? You think you're so focused on your career and you're like, you're in this sort of bubble where we're like looking at each other. Like all, all we think about is football. We only think about being the best on the pitch. We only think about now it's like after this COVID situation, especially it's like, wait, who am I? This football, this football stuff isn't going to last forever. You know, and I feel like every, a lot more people are waking up to the fact of, wait, <laughs> COVID now hit. We've not played for two months, three months. And, you know, this is what life's going to be like when, when, I, when I retire. That's right. That's <laughs> you know, right. so it's That's really right. important to start by taking action on the things that you love to do. Like you found out your love five years ago from taking action. You know, it's like now we have to really take action on the things that we like to do, figure out things that we love to do outside of football. Because even if it is something that you want to do with football, we need to figure it out. We need to figure out from now. Like I've, I've figured that out. I've gone full force into my business because that's what I love to do. I love to, to coach players. I love to see them progress in their life, being their best, not just on the pitch, but being the best off the pitch as well. Like, that's just what I'm passionate about. I'm happy for you, man. It's really nice to see you uh, rise with this, the, this on, ball, on the ball podcast. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, I appreciate that a lot. And, and that's just like, just figuring it out. Like, that's just figuring out that football is a platform. Football is what I love to do, but this is my purpose to my life. That's you know, right. this is this right. is my purpose to my life. Like this is this is what I'm made to do. You know, and and amen, that's amen. just and, and that's just what I encourage so many other players to do. You know, use your voice, use use what you've got because, like Rashford did, right? Look what Rashford did with mm-hmm. with the meals. Like, yeah, crazy. You have, so much, you have you have so much more tools than just footballers. He that's showed right. he showed with one action what we can do. You know, yeah. and, and it's just so amazing that he's took that upon him. Like, he's just so, so much courage. He's shown, like, that we're way more than just footballers. And that's what mm-hmm. I'm passionate about. And I, and, I'm, and I love that about him, you know, testimony to, to his family for, for raising him in that way and, and just him for who he is today. And it's made a massive impact in, in the world, you know. So Good stuff. It's amazing to see. Like, it really is. But, but bro, just to, just to carry on, with everything you know now and the person that you are today, what would you tell your younger self? What would I tell my younger self? Um, um, 
I would tell my, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, what I would tell my younger self is to, um, I was, like I said, I was a, I was a big, I was a talent and uh, I would need to work harder. I would need to work harder. Not just a talent. Not, don't, don't just be a talent. Don't rely on your talent. Yeah. Don't just be a talent. And, and what would you say to that footballer that is relying on his talent? You know, like I feel like there's, there's footballers listening to this right now, right? That, that are going through that right now. That are talents that just want to work hard. But they, what, what would you advise for them? Um, for example, if you have a, a player that is a skillful, uh, creative player that you know wants to make that last pass or wants to w- make that score that winning goal, he's not a good defender. He won't run back. He won't run back after he loses the ball. That's 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 that that's that talent that you need to work on. So you have that talent. You have that creativeness. But if you have that work ethic now, if you want to run after that ball, after you lose it and get it back and switch to make that transition and get, get the play going on again, work on that. Mm. Work on that. That, that, that skill, the creativity, obviously you won't lose that. That's in you already. That's that talent. But work on the things that you don't have. I hear that. I hear that. Work on the things you don't have. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. But Jono, thank you so much, man. Thank you so Respect much for coming on. That. You know, I'm sure the listeners really appreciate you sharing your story today. And me personally, I really appreciate you coming on here to just being vulnerable, speaking about your story. And I really do wish you the best with everything. Thanks, bro. Uh, thanks Thank again you. for coming on, man. Respect, man. Thanks for having me, man. I uh, really enjoyed it. It was, uh, I'm following the podcast online. So it's, it's uh, really, really nice to see and big names on the, on the podcast too. So I'm looking forward to seeing more more name, more ballers and just listening to their stories because everyone has a different story and everyone has their different path. So like, you can't just go in that. Okay. I want to be the same person as that. No, everyone has their own little path and you have to create it. And the way you create it is on you and only you. And it depends on your, 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 your drive on how you, how far you want to take it. And not even just for being footballers, anything you do. Amen. Amen. John. Thank you so much for that. Yo, it's Kenji. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, I want to keep this conversation going. So please send me a DM on Instagram with any thoughts, takeaways, and any questions.